Welcome to the Assembly at Heckfield Place podcast. I'm Lucy Hislop, curator of this eclectic programme of year-round events. A gentle Georgian home in Hampshire with 430 acres of woodland, lakes and gardens, Heckfield has always been a place to bring interesting and interested people together. Continuing this legacy, the Assembly calls on curious minds with a focus on looking forward and on our relationship with nature. Each episode features an edited conversation with our guests. As part of this month's Value of Soil series, this episode sees Jane Scotter, author of Fern Barrow, A Year of Recipes from a Farm and Its Kitchen, and Tom Petherick, author of Heligan, A Portrait of the Lost Garden, who are both helping to turn Heckfield into a biodynamic farm. They talk with journalist Chloe Fox about the love, will, and knowledge needed to start a conversation with the soil. So, a very warm welcome to the Assembly at Heckfield on this eve of the equinox and to our inaugural talk tonight, The Value of Soil. It's wonderful to see you all and to feel we're all part of this extraordinary living place, a place for curious minds to reconnect and rediscover all year with a series of eclectic events and talks. Tonight we hope this is the first of many. I would like to thank the Chan family, I think we all would, and their commitment to creating this place of great intent that is just extraordinary. I would also like to mention Lucy Hislop, the curator of the Assembly, who has worked so hard to bring us all together for this first weekend. Here, it begins with the soil, so we couldn't think of a better way of launching the Assembly than to discuss its value with the biodynamic experts, Jane Scotter and Tom Petherick, and with our interviewer, Chloe Fox. So please join me in welcoming them to the assembly. Hello. I'm not sure if these two probably need any introduction to all of you, but... Uh, Jane Scotter, who did co-found Neil's Yard Dairy, um, is known by those in the know as, as one of the most successful biodynamic growers in the country, which is making her toes curl. And, um, and Tom is a biodynamic smallholder himself, and also a, how would you officially describe yourself as a... Uh, well, I do biodynamic farm audits and inspections, so... I get to see a lot of other biodynamic farms in England and Ireland. But you, you two met when you like had that, your inspector's yeah. I, I, I hat on. I turned up with the inspector's hat on. <laughs> yes, the inspector called. Gave Jane a hard time. Yes. <laughs> and was it, was it uh, a meeting of minds, love uh, at first sight? It was terrifying being in the presence of greatness. Because um, <laughs> biodynamic farms have that ability to, to influence people. Um, head and heart and uh, Jane does it very very well hmm. and um, and that you know the story of Jane's produce is, is um, a long one and a successful one so um, yeah it's 1996 you started yep yep 1996 and is yep. it true that you it, the biodynamic um, certifiers just responded quicker and with less charge of money than the organic certifier. It was as simple as that, actually. Yes, it was. I mean, they were 
the most responsive and the most helpful. And it was at the, it was at the very beginning of the kind of so-called fashion of the organic movement. And the Soil Association were uh, very guarded about their information and, you know, they needed to charge you if you came to see them. So it was, you know, a very easy decision. But I had been exposed to the biodynamic way before with, with my cheese. Um, Bottom Village, they, that was a bi big biodynamic community. And I liked it and it just, they were very helpful. And uh, once we looked into it more, it was, yeah, it just seemed to be a really lovely way to go about doing the, the, the growing, really. Were you buying really. milk off bottom? No, no, we bought cheese, cheese from, bought them. Cheese from them. Yeah, from oh, them. It was, dairy. Ines Vermeer was the cheesemaker at the time. Oh, okay. And they made a really nice uh, uh, cheddar-type cheese. Got yeah. a small one, but lovely cheese. And, um, yeah, it was just the way they made the hay and things. I mean, there was a lot of money in those communities at the time. And the way they made the hay and stuff was just, you know, so pure, um, beautiful pasture. Um, they would dry it in the barn, you know, and they had loads of mice. They could dry it with, with, you know, heaters and things. But it was, you know, not put in bales. So all the seed, most of the, a lot of the seeds were kept on the, you know, on the grasses. So the animals were actually eating that enough that would fall so that it would grow again. But it was a very yeah, just a really beautiful way of doing things. Can I just ex explain a bit about what Jane's talking about in terms of Botton? Yes, please do. I, I will, because Botton Village is um, a Camp Hill community in North Yorkshire. And the Camp Hill communities were started by a man called Carl Koenig just after the war. And he was a student of, and a friend of Rudolf Steiner's. And he, um, following Steiner's uh, wish to look after people with special needs in the community, particularly adults with learning difficulties. Koenig came to England to escape Nazi Germany and founded his first community in Aberdeenshire and Botton Village, which is uh, five, was five farms mm -hmm. on the northeast edge of the Yorkshire, Yorkshire Moors, soon followed. So wow. the idea of a Camp Hill community is that the both the, the, the people with special needs and their co-workers do the same things. They support each other in their daily works. All the farms are biodynamic and they comprise dairy cows, beef cows, pigs, sheep, poultry, kitchen garden, bakery, everything. The whole thing is a self-contained community. And this is where Jane came mm. across this mm. cheese. And what did you think when you first when biodynamics first sort of came onto your radar, was it an instant kinship that you felt or was it just Me. a... Yeah, just a peaked yeah, interest? Um, I just... It, it was extra to organics. Mm. It's not so much about what you don't do, it's what you do do. And it was the connection of... of uh, it was the thinking, really, that I was attracted to, which was, you know, everything has influence. And the world is a much, much bigger place than, than, than modern people are aware of. You know, we're very, very disconnected from nature. I mean, I think there's movement definitely towards being more connected with nature. Um, uh, and where our food comes from and valuing it in a proper way rather than just, you know, it's all lovely quality or it's special this or special, but valuing where it comes from and the people that grow it and this stuff mm. and looking after it. And we were talking before about giving. You know, you have to... Gardeners and growers um, 
tend to be people who uh, give to the, to the land and give, give of themselves to that. If you want to grow very, very good quality, um, you have to uh, work very hard and to <coughs> tend to it you know, like a child, perhaps, you know, look after it in that way, not just take from it. And that's, that's what I think is the key, and biodynamics yeah. does that. So this soil, which I think, um, this soil Jane has bought from Fern Vero, which is her 16 acres of apparently very close to heaven at the foot <laughs> of the Black Mountains. And <clears throat> I think what's important to point out, certainly to me, and I'm talking as, as a layman here, is that that looks, that soil looks certainly different to my soil. And that soil is the product of many years yes. of time and love. Yeah, that and is very important. To I remember. think um, yeah. I, what I wanted to ask you both, actually, as that's what we're talking about, is what, what is the value of soil? What makes that soil valuable? What does it have that my soil clearly doesn't? Where do you live, Dave? I, well, I live in the Chalk Valley uh, in Wiltshire, so I have CD, very yeah. chalky soil. But also slightly neglected, as we were talking about earlier. I haven't been loving it enough, and I'm going to. Hmm. But um, what is there in it? What makes it so valuable? You going to give the soil science lecture, or should I? <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to, and then I'll, I'll yeah. just put the, the Well, my soil, the is, is, where I live in South Devon, is shocking. And, um, and there's no doubt that biodynamic uh, work has improved it. But it's a it's a it's a um, alluvial runoff from from the moor, and it's very what we call shillity. So it's got sort of shattered bits of slate, and it's very free draining, like the soil here, mm. and um, which is this is the sand and gravel part of the world, um, which you know when you drive past the M4 and all those guys water skiing on the gravel. Those are gravel pits where mm. people dig up gravel, and on top of that is sand. So it's. <coughs> This is, a, this is a soil with, with very big particles, and the key to <coughs> soil like Jane's here, this is, looks to me like it's a, a clay-based soil where the particles are very small. And simply, if the particles are small, then they're joined up, they're close together, and they can transmit information. So they can move electricity and water and nutrients and bacteria and fungus and all the things that make up a living soil and help plants grow, they can, they can transport them and transmit them easily. If you've got a sandy soil, which you've got here, or a shillity soil, which you've got where I am, it's difficult. So that's where lots of organic matter, farmyard manure, and lots of biodynamic activity can help. <coughs> but I don't doubt that your soil has improved also over yes. many years of mm. the work that you've done. It takes time. Livestock, yes. compost, yes, livestock. biodynamics, and so forth. Yes. Could you pick your own soil out of a soil lineup? I probably. Mean, were, you could. Yeah, probably. Because, no, I don't know. I've never yeah. done a soil lineup. I wonder, but though. I do, know it. It. <laughs> I do know it well. Yeah. I know where that comes from. That is not. Um, it was so wet yesterday when I had to get this. So I had to dig that out of the greenhouse where it wasn't so wet. And I know exactly, you know, and I know where it belongs. And it looks quite different to the, the soil outside. Mm. Um, but my point being, you have a you have a an active relationship with your soil. 
Yes. In that you know yeah. it. You I, know it and it, yeah. it knows you. Well, I know when it... Um, I know when it, I know what it needs just by looking at it. I'm not a soil scientist or I don't approach my work in that way at all. I don't mm. read, you know, uh, books about uh, microbes or anything like that. But I do know when I look at, so when I look at land, um, I, can, I know what it needs by what grows there. Um, you know, it's like here we have... Uh, a new patch of land that we're looking at cultivating in the spring. And it's, it's very, very um, thin soil, uh, thin ground. You can tell by what's growing there. It's very, very wild. And, I mean, ha that has its beauty and its uses, you know, for the projects that they're trying to do here with growing um, herbs and things for the skincare range for Wildsmith. That's actually, you know, going to be very, very useful there. But for growing big vegetables, cabbages and things, we've um, uh, got to, uh, you know, uh, build fertility. Sorry, that's not the question that you asked. But... Um, uh, no, be, uh, it, it's important that we do talk about that. Mm. It uh, takes time mm. and uh, um, we've got an awful lot of work to do here. And, um, but there's the love mm. and the will and, yeah. the, you know, we're building the knowledge. And getting, you know, the conversation with the soil here is open and everybody's getting to know it well. We have to make a lot of compost. And, uh, but you can't just, um, I'm not answering your question. I'm going off no, on no, something else. No, no, but uh, we can't, um, uh, I often use the sort of uh, cooking as quite an analogy for making soil. Um, you know, if you're making a cake, um, you don't put all the ingredients at once and stir it around and shove it in the oven because it would just be a horrible, you know, sort of soggy old thing. You have to add things in layers. You have to add technique to it and, uh, you know, folding egg whites in. You know, we... Um, I have a patch of land. I have one little section at home at the moment that's... It's been the last couple of years. Just There's just something about it. It looks, appears thin to me. And I think it's because we had a sort of, uh, we didn't stream down some thistles and it had quite a lot of thistles there and they take a lot out of the soil. And so I'm kind of building a compost heap next to them to give them something and to give that little patch. It's only just, you know, about the size of this room, a uh, sort of strip of, of land and just to sort of nurture that and bring that back a bit to give it something else to to regenerate it really or to... It just needs looking after in the right way. And does the land at Heckfield feel, when you first came, and I'm interested to know when mm. you did actually first come, mm. how many years ago you came and what you found? And but It was about 18 months ago. Um, there wasn't a lot being grown. Um, there wasn't a lot of need for anything to be grown and everybody was all quite new to it all. And the project hadn't taken off. Um, you know, the, the aim is to grow all the fruit and vegetables for the, for the two restaurants here. Um, it, uh, there's no, I mean, we've only just started to start, you know, talk about making compost and, uh, and it's absolutely vital. And with all the waste coming from, you know, the kitchens and things, we need to use that because it's, uh, yeah, it, it's the most valuable thing for the garden. For, you know, it's the cycle, you know, uh, the seeds get sown in the soil and then the plant grows and everything comes back to the soil to 
bring new life, and it's it's you know, incredibly important. Mm. I think this is. It looks to me that like this has been a very highly productive farm over a great mm. many years, but it, from a, you know conventional mm. chemical use point of view. Mm. But just with the just back to the soil for a second. It, it's it's not easy to change the makeup of a soil, but it's easy to change what's in it. So you can also, you can, you can add, <coughs> and, and then on top of that, what biodynamics does, or the, the use of that type of cultivation, and we'll talk about that later, but it, 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 it works on the premise that you, you should see the farm as a single organism and mm. as responsible for itself and with a sense of itself. And so that everything you're doing is geared around that, building up, building up the connections that Jane talked of earlier within the farm, within the soil, within the people. And so what's obviously been a productive soil here in the past is likely to become a productive one again. Not that it isn't productive now, it is. Mm. It's just that to, to it's work not with a its very, potential yet. No, a very today. sandy soil is, mm. it requires a lot of work. If it's going to be asked to do all of this year after year after year after year mm. without becoming exhausted, because that's what happens unless you really, really give it, and it is its proper attention. Yeah, it is exhausted and needs love and care. Mm. Mm. Well, that's what I, I think what would be interesting, because it is a very, biodynamics is a very complex on paper. It's an odd combination of, of complex and very simple, it seems to me, but it would be mm. very interesting to try, I think, to explain it. What the audience, what I didn't know until I spoke to Tom, is that it, the entire movement is based on eight lectures given by Rudolf Steiner in 1924. Absolutely. But could you tell us a little bit about it, about its history and how it Began. Yes. Shall I go ahead? Go do ahead. I'll yes, do my best. fine with me. Um, <laughs> in the, in the, quite quickly after the First World War, um, a group of farmers in Germany um, and east, uh, Western Poland, or Eastern Poland rather, um, who were uh, students of Steiner's philosophy, um, uh, which was only then quite young. This is in a this was in early 1924. Well, they, they were becoming, uh, since the war, they were, and, and, the, and the onset of chemical use with all the leftover nitrogen from the German war effort, they were becoming aware that their fertility levels in the soil were dropping. There wasn't so much manure being used. They were running into problems with pests. There was pesticide use. And so they went to Steiner and they asked what they should do. So he gave this set of lectures over the course of of the Whitson weekend in 1924, in which he explained the rudiments of what wasn't then called biodynamics, but yeah. of, of his ideas for the renewal of agriculture, which was, had an, a completely organic base. So he said, put away all the chemicals, yeah. start from scratch, and use certain preparations, herbal-based and animal-based, to deal with the quality rather than the quantity. So the idea of biodynamics is not based on an increase in yield. We must be quite clear about that. It's not designed to double the quantity of potatoes that you're going to get from the soil. It's designed to improve their quality. Mm. 
because in all aspects, yeah. in all aspects, because mm. his viewpoint was that the Earth, as a planet, was on the wane and was getting older, and so therefore to stop this and to help the people that lived on it go on growing and enjoying life, the key was to eat what he called latterly what became known as biodynamic food, but food that was imbued with with all of the the messages and the information that is constantly coming from the cosmos. And we know a little about this, but we don't know a great deal. I mean, we know a lot about the influence of the moon and we know a great deal about the influence of the sun, neither of which we could do without. But he said we should work much more closely with the inner planets and the outer planets, the influence of the constellations as the planets move through those constellations and so forth, which is ultimately becomes our calendar that we talk about and work by. Um, so. In those lectures, he talked about livestock and crops and the preparations that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and that was really the crux of the whole thing. And so from that, um, a certification body soon was set up, even as early as the 30s, Biodynamics had it was its own trademark. It was the first, trademark. the first one. Yeah, it first was long, organic long before any, 40 yeah. years before any other. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a movement that's still growing today. But it is, it all comes from from the work of one man and his ideas. And his ideas were based on you know, spiritual renewal, were on the, the raising of, of our consciousness and our will, will forces, which we would get through <coughs> eating biodynamic foods so we could you know, reach our potential as humans and so forth. Community of farms. Community, mm. um, looking after all people through the community. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a total system. And he spoke a lot about education, we know this from Steiner schools. My daughter's at a Steiner school and has been since the age of five. Um, and medicine and uh, society, everything around drama and music and all of those kind of things, art. culture, art. Mm. So his, uh, and, and from him came what, what became known as the Anthroposophical Society, which you know, our, our students, anthroposophists, are students of Steiner, and they're still active today. And biodynamics is just one part of, of Steiner's, you know, sort of whole philosophy. And did he devise the calendar himself, or is that something no. that... No, no. he didn't. He recognised and taught and, and spoke in the lectures about the influence of the planets and what each one did, mm. and which element in the soil they might have influence over, but he didn't, he didn't write a calendar. No, Maria Tun did that. She, she, she translated it, basically. Yeah by you know, studying the, the, the positions of the planets and the, with relation to the sun and the moon. And she just translated it to the, to the calendar. It's so interesting, because to the uninitiated, if somebody said to me, bury a cow horn in your garden, mm. cow ho and, and stuffed with, what do you stuff in the cow horn? Manure, one. I mean, if we, if, if we didn't ask why we did this, we would just be members of a cult, wouldn't we? I mean, well, that, really, um, that's I mean, sort of what be, I'm trying to honest. say in the nicest exactly. possible so, way. It so sounds like madness. The most important thing is, is, to, is to continually question. And also, don't forget, these lectures are badly translated from the German, I might add, in 1924, <laughs> which is difficult enough. But, uh, you know, it's really hard to read them. It's re I mean, they are a complete cure for insomnia. Yeah, they are. that's so true. And, and it's really <laughs> dense, but thankfully not very long. You know, it's only it's a small paperback book. Mm. But it's difficult, and it's really, really complicated. And, and yet so simple. 
and yet, and yet, people have been doing it for you know ninety years with mm. incredible results. Mm. I think that so. So this weekend is the um, autumn equinox, and I'm interested to know um, what you would be doing at Fernborough if you weren't here, or what's happening here. What happens at this weekend, and why is it so significant? What does the what's what's happening now? Well, it's it's the beginning of winter in in effect. Um, and we would be uh, you know, making our um, uh, compost preparations and our ca uh, cow horn preparation, preparation 500, and we would be burying them uh, underground for the winter. Um, the soil underneath, uh, the, uh, beneath the surface, is at its most active in the winter, and so that is why we do it then. And then we raise them in the, in, the, in the springtime, which is the beginning of the growing season. And we use those in our compost, whilst we're making our compost, to, yeah, which we would then spread on the land around this time or sometimes in the spring. And 12 times a year you spread the compost, is that right? No. 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 Um, are you talking about the preparations, do you mean, or the sprays, or the... I don't know. No. No, we, we, um, we would apply compost <coughs> as and when um, it's needed to the plants. I tend to uh, do a lot of the manuring and the compost in the autumn um, for the sort of fruits and things um, to feed the roots and to produce good, good plants the next year. Mm. Um, and good fruiting plants. <clears throat> Compost, not so much in, in the spring, but I tend to apply it mainly in the, yeah, in the autumn. I find that works better. She says she does this, and when I come and inspect, she better have done it. I have. It's <laughs> actually, looking there, gorgeous. There a conflict actually, of interest, yes, so. so I can't come <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's looking good. So yeah. what... Um, you, Jane, described it brilliantly to me, biodynamics, as organics with fairy dust. Mm. But what are the um, <clears throat> what are the main qualities that one needs to bring to your work when you're growing biodynamically? Would you say? Uh, good the, question. Yeah, it is a good question. Well, the preparations for sure. Mm. Uh, the two the two main sprays. But uh, for me, it's about the work um, and the connection and the care. Um, the preparations and all the biodynamic th things that make you, you know, certified, to be able to be certified only enhance the quality and they really do work. I don't really know how they work, but they do work. I mean, you know, um, the taste is better. Um, yeah, the appearance is better. They're Deeper stronger. Flower color, the flower strong, colour. The flower colour. Yeah, all, really? those, all those things. How quickly, in, out of interest, did you it notice it? It can be overnight. It? Yeah, it can be. It can be overnight. Yes, I've, I've seen. I've sprayed. We sprayed left. It's very. It's very important. The timing is very important, um, and then that's intuition again. Uh, you know, you can find with the summer we've just had, for instance, it has been very astral. It's very very strong, and I find that presence here enormous. Um, you know, uh, I, I arrive here, uh, arrived here every week, you know, during the summer and everybody else is running around completely used to that heat. And I, you know, literally 
get out, and I can hardly speak because it's so, the forces are so strong. Astral pertains to consciousness, <coughs> just mm. so that we're clear about and that. The, the use of the, five, the, the, 501 prep, uh, the 500 preparation, which is to uh, increase the light and stuff, wasn't necessary here at that time. But then we got down to another time where things were struggling um, and the, the use of the, of the, of the 501 prep to, 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 to bring in the light, to bring in the warmth. Um, that was that was very important. I don't know if you've done it yet, but it just needs to be done. To, to help that, those poor old plants that have just sort of lain out in that, that desert, you know, because it was so dry. Um, hold, the, hold the astral and etheric just for a second while I just explain. This is the moment to explain there are the, the, the requirements, the suggestions that Steiner gave were two field sprays that <coughs> should cover the whole farm, all, all, but particularly the growing areas. And the one field spray that we call BD500, which is... Oh, horn manure. This is the manure that we put into a horn and bury for the winter. So then it's lifted in the spring and a little portion of it is stirred and it's sprayed out. The, the horn manure deals or supports the soil life. And then the opposite polarity is the horn silica. So silica is used to enhance photosynthesis in the plant and the uptake of light because so if you're Australia, you'd, lose, you'd use much more horn manure mm. because there's loads of sunlight all the time and much less silica. Here, although not this summer because there was a lot yep. of light, you tend to use, you know, where I am in the southwest, you'd use a lot more horn silica because it's really struggling for light. I see. We can't grow nice apples in, in the southwest because they like, you know, they like much, much more in the way of light. So there's the two field sprays. Now... Following off from that, we have what we call the compost preps, and these are six different herbs. Dandelion, yarrow, nettle, oak bark, chamomile, and valerian. Now, these, these five are put in the compost heap or the, the, um, the manure heap before spreading on the land, and the fifth, the sixth of valerian is, is sprayed over the top to keep the warmth in, and that is an ether. These things that we call ethers, these, these not so much energies, but the, but the, uh, the atmosphere um, that, that is known as ether in sort of old-fashioned language, is, is effectively what is all, all the information that we can't see in terms of gas and all kinds of stuff that's coming from the different planets and the cosmos. Um, that is hitting and, you know, the, the, the gravitational pull of the moon, for example, would be a classic example of an ether. Right. So we have these warmth ethers, we have these cold ethers, which are all around us at all times, acting on the soil, acting on the soil life. And that's why we use these, compo these compost preparations. What Steiner maintained was that these certain preparations, all of which pertain to different planets, or constellations, often both. These will help to, to imbue your compost heap and strengthen your compost heap so that those forces can hit the ground, the soil, when you spread your compost. So they attract them mm. and they hold them. And all of them have relation to, to planets or constellations, but also not just the four elements of earth, air, fire and water, but all the nutrients. 
that we spray. So the oak bark, for example, is particularly close to calcium, which is also happens to have a strong relation to Mars. And calcium builds cell walls. So it's, it's very, very good for keeping plant diseases at bay. So the idea was all these compost preps go into, they all do different things. So they keep fungus at bay, they support the work of nitrogen-fixing plants in the soil. There's one that's particularly close to sulphur, potash, which is really vital. Potash is very water-soluble, it drains out of the soil quickly, it's hard to hang on to. So yarrow is very close. So it's, it's not just some kind of wacky spiritual no. thing, it's science. So it's a sp a spiritual yeah. science, well, is that a fair to say? It's how yes. it was termed. That's a good, it's a spiritual good science. So yeah. it mixes both spirituality, the stuff that we cannot see and cannot have any clue about. I mean, we live on a planet floating in space. We've got no idea what's no. going on. You know, anyone who claims they know what's going on is just talking rubbish. But it just makes it's sense. It's just too complex. I mean, when you're, when you're actively engaged in biodynamic growing, does it feel... Uh, like a symbiosis, does it feel? I mean, can it ever not work? Yeah, no. Of course, it's, yeah. it's naturally symbiotic. I mean, mm. we're, there's there's no separation in nature on any level. But without we are the all intent, connected. everything is connected. Can it we work? We don't stand alone on a planet like kind of. Oh well, it's just me on my own. It's not like that. No. The intent is very important. It's very very yeah. important. So you work with it. And James you work with often it. talks about intent, and if yeah. you really do work with it consciously and subconsciously, it can have huge, huge benefits. Yeah. So you listen to what your soil needs? I, I don't go around kind of, you know, in a trance and listening to the soil. I mean, no, you know, but I, I, I want it to be fantastic. <coughs> yeah. I want it to be amazing. And that's what drives me with my work. And I do this work all the time. And it's it's, it is me, that is what I do, um, and I'm very driven with it. Um, so um, I want it to be the best, and I love it, and I will do anything that I can to make it like, like that. I will um, uh, nurse it. I will always do that. So intent is very yeah, and important. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I often talk to my workers you know, about being observant, like turning the tap off and things like that, of course, but... Um, you know, look at the plant, look at the weeds that are growing there. They will tell you what you need to do. They will tell you what is in the soil um, and, uh, yeah, what will grow well there. You know, the, the, the weed, there's a little booklet called The Weeds and, and, and What They Tell You. You know, it's all about what's there is, is that's what's in your soil. And we were talking earlier, which is very interesting, that it's... <coughs> uh, everything that as a society we might feel that we're lacking um, is there in biodynamics if you need to find it. Um, a patience, a sense of community, I, a I slowing think we're, down. We're so removed from nature. I think when, when biodynamics is explained in the way that Tom does it so beautifully, poetically, um, it all makes sense to people, but we're not used to thinking like that. We're not used to, to being like that. And I find that, say, with the people that come and work for me, and particularly, say, the volunteers, people who you know, live in London and things, and they, they want to change their job for six weeks or something, they just want to kind of you know, be with nature and things. Um, you know, that's, that's, um, 
they often come sort of saying, oh, I, want, I want to come and work and I want to eat the nice food and I'm going to be really healthy and I'm looking forward to having a suntan and all this sort of stuff. But um, they soon find that you actually have to give so much of yourself and, um, and, and that is the reward, is that when you feel that you're giving back and it's not all about taking and that's how you should relate to, to the soil and to... But it's not how we as modern people live. You know, no. it's like, oh, well, I'll have that. I'll switch the electric light on. Does anyone think about how did people cope with just, you know, having light and what you had to do and, you know, or, or cooking your food? You had to go out and get the wood and it would take, could take all day or fetching water and stuff. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, when you put yourself into that meditation, I can talk about weeding is such a meditation. Um, you know, when you're interacting with something and you're really caring for something and, it's, and you're just this little blob of moisture, really, in mm. the whole universe and you're doing something of proper value, um, even though just for a short while, it's, I think it's very good for you. It's yeah. very mindful. Mm. And you have to, is that something that you actively have to do? Because if I go to weed, I, I, mentally, I make it a chore before I've even done it which is probably part of the problem with my soil. But, um, but, but do you have to, do you have to um, get yourself into, a, into you the right state? To. Maybe, maybe. I think if you don't want to do it, I mean, not everybody's going to be attracted to do it. But I think if you, you know, I, I, uh, I think uh, gardening or growing things is very addictive. And, you know, I think English people particularly, because of such a wonderful climate, really, for growing stuff. I know we complain about the rain, but it's actually a really good thing. The rain is a good thing. Um, it helps things grow and we have food to eat. But um, I don't think you need to do that. I just think you have to, like with everything, you have to have a passion for it and you have to want to do it. Um, and if it suits you... I mean, it's very annoying <coughs> when, it's, when the weeds are out of control. Um, I can't leave them alone because I can't bear to look at it. You know, if we've got horrible plants, I can't wait till we finish with that crop. Sky's taken it all. We'll just take them out because I hate looking at them, looking at tatty plants because um, I want it all to look beautiful and neat and and cared for. But you know, the compromise is, is not easy, even now after years and years of doing it. Just uh, yeah, having to walk away. But I I don't like to walk away, and people who come again as volunteers and they do this work and to see them leave, uh, you know, slightly dishevelled, certainly a lot dirtier than they were than when they arrived and feeling the benefits of that. And I get a little email sort of saying how they loved it and all um, that they've applied for a job. I had one girl who came this year and she just worked in a shop in Bristol and she was very bored, didn't know what to do with herself. And yesterday I have had a job, uh, she got a job working for the soil station, liaising with farmers. Mm -hmm. And that's just yeah. fantastic, you know, that yeah. she's found something that's really good. And she thanked me for it. You know, I didn't do anything. She did. She worked really hard. Um, but, you know, that's inspiring. That's properly inspiring. Nice thing. It's inspiring. It's inspiring this is going on here because it, yes. this is, you know, our organic movement has been very, very slow and cumbersome over the years and 
only 3% of the country's land is under organic cultivation. <coughs> it's still, to all intents and purposes, <coughs> in a, in a kind of stuttering infancy, really. And so, you know, it's, it's great that a, a big project like this, you know, which is, which is large-scale, well-financed and well-intended, can, can put its neck on the line and be organic and, and biodynamic and stand up for, for all these friends. Because it is phenomenally hard work. You know, there's lots of the, the guys and mm. girls here today who know, and we know what it's like to, to you know, work. The intent long, is very long strong hours here. And yeah. it's difficult, things the go wrong, the weather's good. bad, mm. you're picking Brussels sprouts and your knuckles are raw. Mm. It's a lot of it's just dreary and repetitive and lonely and so forth. And it's, it's not an easy life. Mm. So, you know, to, 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 to build a soil, something as simple as a soil, uh, or to make a compost heap or to apply a preparation, is, it can be, uh, you know, a wonderful thing. And what um, are your ambitions here? I mean, in five big. years' time, what <laughs> would you like to see mm. happening? Very good fertility. Mm. Fantastic compost making, using everything, no waste. Um, everything has a use, um, and well, I'm very ambitious with it. I, th I have uh, uh, there's heart here, and there's love here, and the people who work the, the land at the moment are very good people, and um, yeah, I'm very grateful. You know, the biodynamic association very grateful that Gerald, you know, Mr. Chan has chosen to. To, to, to have a biodynamic farm, we could be, I would like it to be one of the most significant horticultural spaces in this, in this country. And hopefully we'll get there, well, with a great deal of determination. But we've got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. I mean, it's, we've done ex amazingly well for a terrible, terrible season. But come back in three or four years and uh, these cabbages will be Ten times the size <laughs> and amazing. ten times more beautiful, even though they are very beautiful. They now. are very beautiful, yes. I must say. Yeah. Does yeah. anybody, I think it would be lovely to see if anyone had any questions at this point, rather than me blathering on for Jane and or t um, Tom. I know what a school inspector does, but what's actually involved with inspecting from a um, biodynamic Oh, getting there late, um, yeah. you know, make, drinking lots of coffee, scaring the hell out yeah. of everybody, <laughs> making sure there's, yeah. Um, it, 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 compliance to standards uh, as written in European law, which is the, the serious bit. And then um, lots of boxes to tick. But on, an, on a biodynamic farm, I'm looking for, you, you know, if people are making the preps, are they making them well? Livestock, are they properly fed and watered? You know, are people bringing stuff onto the farm which they shouldn't in terms of medicines or seeds or uncertified stuff? Um, but, you know, the licensee needs us and we need the licensee. We're both, you, you know, so... It costs... Yeah, it costs a um, straightforward thing. It costs right? a l little bit of money, which is... Uh, it costs, for my 16 acres, it's uh, about £600 a year. And it's just one of the best... Um, uh, expenses that I have because you have these experts that come where there are various different most of the inspectors have sort of different expertise you'd have one that would be a vet 
uh, another person who's, you know, there's uh, the inspector for here is Richard Saunders-Smith, and he's a professor of soil science, so perfect for here. So and you get at least um, £600 worth of uh, consultancy. Advice. From, Even exactly. though we're not meant to give advice and be yes. impartial, of course. No, but you always do. It's very, very friendly, and it's not threatening, and um, they're very understanding. There's a process involved, um, and that's what's very, very special about the Demeter inspectors. So it's a community again. Very, very helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know we have to compromise, but <coughs> so long as we show intent and we do everything to the best of our ability, then they will... My my own box. farm is certified because I you know I've always I've I've been a certified grower in the past but I but I don't, I don't produce anything but I just think it's good to be part of that so that I can sort of claim to speak with with yeah. some authority practice because I'm doing the practice myself. Mm. Yeah. Do you fail people often? Um, I, once I did. <laughs> Yeah, but, but he was um, very unfortunate because he was only organic. Because we we I do organic spe inspections as well as biodynamic, and part of his land was being farmed conventionally, and and, and mm. there was a mix up with the spraying of a field. Yeah, oops. And uh, his neighbour rang up and said, rang us and said he's been spraying his <gasps> fields. So then Would you have been thing. able to tell had the neighbour not well, told you? I probably you. wouldn't have gone to that far-flung <laughs> reach of this vast farm in North He'd have walked you was. down, tempted you with more cake somewhere yes, else. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There's a question. question. Is, is there a, a sort of bigger concentration of biodynamic farms in certain areas? Germany. Okay. Of the UK. It's always Germany. Um, uh, there are... Anthroposophic hotspots and Forest Row in Sussex, East Sussex yeah. is one. Um, Devon. What does Emerson that mean, College. Tom? No, an really. anthroposophic hotspot. Uh, where, where people who, <laughs> Study who of man, follow Steiner and his works and are members of the Anthroposophical right. Society. Right. schools there as well. So the first big Steiner, the first big um, biodynamic farm in England was in Kent, proper one which is still going, apart other than the Camp Hills, of which there are quite a number, and they're all, yeah, there's, there's Yorkshire, and there's a lot in Scotland. East of Scotland. Um, there's a bit, bit of it in Devon, quite a lot in Ireland. Gloucestershire had a couple, they're not quite so strong now, but there yeah, were. Three Camp Hills yes. there. So, but no, no not really. really nice not, not really. Sure. Um, they're dotted, dotted about here and there. And, you know, there, there aren't, there aren't that many. I mean, there are 200 biodynamic farms, licensees, and there are about 200 processors who, to you know, make cheese or whatever they do, as Jane once did, or who buy stuff in from abroad and sell it on, which counts as processing. So, mm. not not particularly. It's a very <coughs> it's a very specialist thing yeah. and pretty unusual, really. If any of us wanted to get started, those that weren't already, where, uh, it's such a sort of silly question, but where does one start? How do you start with the compost? Uh, Build up a really good compost pad. Start making compost. Start making compost. Put your boots on and just do it. Just Plant do some it. seeds, get a feel for it. Mm. The sprays are important. Bring out the Biodynamic Association. Exactly, there's a very sprays. nice lady. 
to talk to. So you buy the sprays need to be bought via the biodynamic association. You can make you can make your own if you really mean. But on day one, you just that gives them a call first, and then they'll and buy a book or two. There's some quite lectures are again, yeah, full on, but there are simpler explanations and just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And are there particular vegetables if one was going to start with? six vegetables. Not really. Not I think the ones that you notice the difference on, I, I personally think are the, are the fruits. Um, I think biodynamic fruit tends to be extra special. Um, the taste, the colour, the all of it. The sugars, the sweetness, the quality. It's the quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the taste. Yeah. So it really the dry matter in, in, you know, they're just, uh, the form of them is good. Yeah, they're very balanced. Sky, what do you think? What's, mm. what's, what's holding, yeah, but she what's says holding the everything. best <laughs> is, is biodynamic? Salad leaves. Yeah. Leaves, yeah. yeah leaves. For me, I think the leaves, the quality of the leaves that we have, I think has a huge amount to do with our soil and our rainfall, which is high. Um, right. So has the summer adversely affected your leaves? Uh, no, we went out and watered it all <laughs> a Gosh, lot. Yeah, a no, lot. It was a serious, serious task. A lot of dragging hoses around at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but uh, we got it done. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, we had casualties, but though um, we made it, it's, it's going to be fine. Like it always is. You always worry. You always think it's not going to be, oh, my God, this is going to be it. What are we going to do? Um, but you, we just you keep doing it and keep trying to do your best. And nature, it, you always get looked after. I think but the fruit was wonderful this year. Amazing. One of the ways that most people start is by getting the calendar. Because yes. the calendar says, well, yeah, that's very, very the moon good. is moving yeah. through... Virgo, so therefore it's a root day, yeah. because Virgo is associated <laughs> with the element of Earth. Yeah. So this is a day to sow carrots. Yeah, it really? helps you to know what Regardless to do next. Regardless of the weather. Yeah. Well, the, the mm. good practice must never be compromised. So if it's raining on that Earth day, that that yeah. Virgin day, then you don't do it. You do it. You wait till the next one. Yeah, you have to wait for your conditions to be right as it will work. Yeah. So that's fun, and yeah. you can, you know, and and so then you get start to get a sense of, of how we are on a planet that you know, is moving around the sun, and then you bring in the moon, and then you know, the moon is very closely associated with water, which we said earlier, you know, pulling the tides, you know, menstrual activity and so forth, and you you can really get a sense of, it's often wet around full moons. Hmm. You know, it's full moon coming up now, and it's pouring it rain. And when the new moon comes, it's new weather. Water, very new weather. watery. Mm. You said to me, Tom, that people who really know what they're doing biodynamically can make it rain if they need to. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, <laughs> a tremendous amount of really interesting work being done by biochemists within the biodynamic movement who have that ability. They can do all sorts of things. They can raise temperature. They can make it rain. This well proven. I mean, it's been happening since the twenties, but 
there are some pretty skilled operators out there who, mm -hmm. by using the preparations and what they do, and by spraying them at certain times. And so in the summer of 76, for example, um, the, the, big, the big biodynamic farm in, in uh, East Grinstead, in Forest Row, um, Tablehurst, they were suffering from the drought like everybody else. But the farmer there, a German called Walter Rudert, he decided to spray silica, which he spray at dawn in the morning on, on the dew, there was, there was no dew, but one morning he noticed some dew. So he sprayed silica and he spread it for the next three mornings and he got grass growth. He wasn't trying to make it rain. Mm. And everybody else was still suffering from the drought. And he, he repaired his grass by... So that was a moment when people started to realise that actually it's possible to do things that not everybody else can do. And the rainmaking, which started with Wilhelm Reich in 1920s Vienna with Freud and co., um, has developed over, over the years by the use of, of, of radionics, which is very similar to you know, the idea behind homeopathy, mm. where you are using, quite simply, a lot of intent. But there are various machines, that, you know, field broadcasting machines, but which you can put intent into or the biodynamic preparations into. These, these create moisture in the atmosphere, which create clouds. I mean, it's not, it's science, again, it's not... Sort of, it's not actually not that difficult, mm. and people are doing it quite regularly. So pu putting moisture, in. if you you're have just, enough people, you're just creating you moisture effectively, mm. which in turn inevitably creates cloud, and then it rains. So we, d I, I, I believe yeah. though that, I mean, I haven't tried it myself. Although I'm going to give it a go next year if we have another drought. I, I think it would be probably very effective, in a place which is attuned to regular use of the biodynamic preparations. But I'm not sure. That's mm. a guess. Does a does a a, pl a a country or planet living through a drought feel like a planet in distress? I mean, does it feel to you um, that our environment is in trouble when you're working? Oh yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Often. There's a lot of extremes. That's the problem. Mm. When it rains, it really mm. rains. Mm. When it's dry, it's really dry. And what's going to happen, do you think? I mean, are we all getting our act together and is it going to be too late? Or mm. can a message be spread of some sort, slowly and incrementally, with things like are happening here, mm. to try and change? We need to get a move on. We need to get a move yeah, on. Yeah, we do, yeah. Mm. I mean, the whole plastic thing is just a joke, really. Why is that? I heard on the radio coming here today that uh, all the recycling that's done by the councils is just, you know, they don't take it all, and most of it goes to landfill anyway. Really? And why, is that, why, is that all, why is that happening when it's been going on for so long mm. and it's so out of control? Yeah, no, we, it has to come from the, the, high, you know, the high level. Because we were talking earlier about that odd thing that you want to spread a message. You want to be evangelical about something you've discovered that works for you and means the world to you, but equally you want it just to be yours. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about biodynamics? Do you want the world to know about it or do you want to keep it yours? <laughs> I want the world to know about it for sure, mm. but I want them to do it properly. Mm. That's, that's always my thing is... Uh, things get so diluted and uh, 
you, could, uh, you just have to do things properly. And that's, I guess, people, it's human nature to be, I don't know, I don't, I don't know lazy or whatever, whatever, not to do things right. But um, you need things like the Biodemic Association, who are, they're heartfelt people and really do care about it and they work really hard. But, you know, they, they're not quite in the modern world enough sometimes in embracing all the problems that there are mm. and they're short of money and things like that. But um, is yeah. it possible on a large scale? Time? Definitely, but, yeah. it should, but he was quite clear, Steiner, about doing it without without ego. It, it's not it's not something to mm. you know. This is for the for the good of everyone and to mm. be shared by everyone. And it's not you know all his works were about that. So mm. he, as I and I've come to the realization that it's very hard to speak knowledgeably about biodynamics without some kind of grasp of anthroposophy, which I don't have. I didn't grow up in that tradition mm. or discipline, so I'm just only starting to read about it. So his, his, his was a, a social renewal. He was all about caring for others and trying to make it... And he grew up in that time of, of you know, theosophists and Krishnamurti and all in, the, uh, in the 20s when spiritual teachers were ten a penny. He was one, you know, after the chaos of the First World War. And people were leaning towards spirituality, and there were gurus. You know, everyone was heading over to India, and there were gurus everywhere. Um, and he, you know, he made like all good gurus, he made suggestions. He didn't require people to follow him, but he was quite clear that it, it you know, it must be done in an ego-free way. He was, mm. he was really clear about that, and that yes, that comes out in the education mm. and, and the medicine as well as as well as the biodynamics. It is exciting. It does shift things. And if you, if you really tune in and you really feel it, then it, uh, it's extraordinary. Mm. Um, but it, but it, like I said before, it takes work. It really is hard mm. work because mm. at the back of it all is agricultural horticulture and bad weather and falling markets and disasters and I think if people so valued their food more, I mean properly yeah. valued their food more, that could make quite a difference. People actually paid more for their food and shopped better and cooked more, mm. I think that would be a, a very significant influence on change. And mm. does that need to come? Well, no, that doesn't necessarily need to come from, from a governmental level, does it? It needs to come... Was it not all about education in the end? Yeah. But you yeah. Know, there's education and there's education. I mean, I just, it's, I, personally, from my soapbox, you know, you ask the future. I mean, when we were growing up, or when Jane and I were growing up, you know, bauxite mining in Nigeria was considered wonderful. Now it's the great Satan, you know. So yeah. our, our grandchildren will only think about the environment. That's all they mm -hmm. will be concerned with. And, you know, finally, it's taken all these years to get there. But there is a, such a crisis. Yeah. Um, and everyone huge. knows this. Yeah. And, you know, there's Michael Gove starting to, you know, it's all about conservation, isn't it? It's all about conservation. It's all you ever hear about, which is great, finally, I mean, in, in the right way. But another generation, that's all they'll be. I'm mm. certain of that. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah, it's great. It's we great. need to spread the word. Does anyone yeah. else have um, a question? <coughs> yes. Um, it's just a practical question. You talked about 
needing to create more compost. On a practical level, if I've got soil like you've got here, how do I go about creating my own compost? What would you suggest? Come on, you're the grower. Oh, you, well, you're the expert. Well, use all your kitchen waste to build compost. Cooked and uncooked? Um, yeah, chuck it all in. Yeah, I would I too. At home, I'd, I'd definitely chuck do that. Maybe in. in a restaurant situation, I probably would advise leaving the meat side things out. But eggshells, <coughs> you know, newspapers, it's about question of balance, um, gr grass cuttings. I mean, you can really get a lot if you use everything. It's, and it's very satisfying. And you have to tend to it well. Um, it depends how you look after it. Um, Rule of thumb, I would say that uh, you get a nice amount, a sort of manageable amount, and um, yeah, you know, for a garden, something like that. And then you would turn it, introduce air to it if it's dry, add moisture, um, and you have the normal kind of rainfall and normal kind of warmth in the summer. You could use it within a year. In some hot countries uh, where it's wet and warm, they can turn that over in six weeks. You'll know because it won't smell anymore. That goes through that smelly stage and when it stops smelling and it's sweet, um, that's when you can use it and it will have consistency. Um, a friable, like that. A sort of, yeah, often I think of it like shortbread. You know, when <laughs> you work with your fingers into the shortbread and when it's all just coated, the flour is just coating the butter beautifully, then that's what I look for in soil when it's got that friability. Do you wear Just gloves when you're working <laughs> or do you have to feel it all the time? Um, I don't like, this is uh, confession time, I don't mm. like the feeling of soil in my hands, but it's the chalk, <laughs> chalk thing. I hate it. I, I'll do it anyway because I have to do it, but uh, when it dries around my fingernails, I absolutely hate that. Um, I wear gloves in the winter always. Um, but in summer I don't, I don't really notice it then. Uh, but if it's wet and it dries on my hands, I don't like it. Which is That's yeah, so funny. rather embarrassing. But <laughs> very good. Mm. One back there. For Jane, uh, what impact working with Sky has had on what you've grown and, and has it sort of challenged and excited you? And how do you want to take that forward here? Um, it's the best thing I've ever done. So, yeah, um, Sky is wonderful, and I love working with her and her and her team, of course. Um, I, uh, yeah, well, I think we're on the same page with the quality and what we want, and uh, it's very exciting to find that new little salad leaf that will make Sky say, "Oh, look at that!" and you know, "What's that?" and and you'll see it on the plate and the way she. Uh, uh, plates, her food is, uh, you know, I am the provider of the materials and she is the artist on the plate and I love that. Um, um, I like things to be very beautiful and she sees the beauty in the same way that I do yeah, with the food. So, And it's yeah. been five years you've worked together? And we're at descending the fourth, so we're going to enter the fifth season next year. And Sky and I were talking the other day about about the sort of the rhythms of your relationship and the and the and the the time that it's taken to to be as you are now, which is sort of completely in sync with each mm. other. <laughs> and and each of you feeds into the other. 
Mm. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think so. I hope she does it. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. And it's not about you growing what she needs or her needing what you grow. You both... Who, well, when, who, when we, who, um, yeah. who, who steers it? What steers it? Well, when we started, uh, I said, so what do you want? You know, and she said, well, just grow. Just grow what you do and then we'll see what happens. And then, um, yeah, we had a little bit too much of things, a little bit too little of other things, but then we fine-tuned it down really well to quantities and in it, getting an understanding of how the menu works and uh, how often it changes and how long, you know, and what size the vegetable sky would like. And, yeah, we've just built up the sky comes regularly to the farm and we do the talk and that's, that's uh, the walk around and that's uh, a great time when she will see something. Uh, it's like one, one time we had uh, some hail and this was the beginning of the scratch menu really. Uh, and our spinach was completely shredded by this hail. And we sort of, you know, don't let Sky see that, sort of a little bit like that. But uh, she said, no, oh, we'll, we'll use all that. And so that was the beginning of the scratch menu, is that anything, you know, she just purees it. So why does it matter? It's got holes in. Um, so ah. that worked really well. So we put all this work into this spinach. And then, yeah, we sold it a bit cheaper because it wasn't as good a quality. Um, but everyone's a winner with that. And then did the positive effects of your personal relationship, do you feel, does that then feed into your growing and your oh, love for, for what for you're sure, doing? For, for sure, without what? a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we support each other in, in sort of doing exactly what mm. we love doing. She enables me to do the thing that's really important to me and, and vice versa. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very yes. mutually. Mm. And it and it enhances the work that both of you are doing because it's a it's something oh, that's oh, grown out of love. I'm sounding definitely. very touchy feely, but no, it but is right. I, I you know when we load the van and it's all beautifully wrapped because we wrap it very carefully because we have to consider the cold room and all those things that aren't good for the vegetables, you know. And I feel very proud. She's gonna, she's gonna love that, you know, or Sky will love that, or and that is you know you go in and. It, I just can't wait to hear, to hear you know, uh, Rose, uh, the head chef at Spring, she, you know, she'll say, thank you for the gorgeous delivery. And that's, you know, Aww. yeah, it get, you know, gets you out of bed in the morning. And, you know, to produce really beautiful quality and then go and eat at Spring and hear and see, see it on the plate, you know, you're, you know, so cared for and so beautifully and thoughtfully presented and tasting amazing is, yeah, it, yeah heaven. As good as it mm. gets. Yeah, no, it doesn't get any better, that's for sure. Oh, lovely. Mm. Anyone else? <laughs> I remember um, <coughs> first seeing your, your flowers. I mean, we haven't talked about your flower growing quite so much. I remember seeing mm. it on Alan's Instagram years ago when you used to take your flowers wrapped in that brown paper to London. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like growing flowers a lot. <laughs> yes, we haven't talked yeah. about your flowers. Yeah, I think um, it's hard to get organic seed and things, so that doesn't really happen. Um, I mean, it should. There's, there's a marketplace for that. Um, what well, organic flower seed is? It's hard to get. Impossible it's very hard to, get? to get. Yeah, close to impossible. Yes. Oh, really? 
And, you know, there's actually... Some, but not yeah. really desirable, unusual. Not for, oh. not for, you know... Why is that? Because there's just not the market for just it. Well, I think there is a market. I think um, yeah. there is now. I mean, the flower farm thing is really growing. In America, they do it absolutely, you know, fantastically well, like they do with the small, you know, the farm-to-table projects. They do it really, really well. Um, but there is a, you know, there is definitely a market for that. We would be a very, very nice thing to do here to produce seeds. I mean, it is it's it's very skillful, and but it would be a wonderful thing to do. You know, offer a really beautiful range of, of things like that and the flower growing is i mean there's edible flowers obviously yeah. but there's also is it for for pleasure for aesthetics for uh, how i it i absolutely love flowers um i mean it is part of that but it is increasing quite a lot and now we're doing you know uh 100 foot beds of them instead it was just like a a, a size of this room where we just did flowers but now we're doing a lot um we grow for, for for spring. We grow. We have to. We have. There's a very big, very beautiful vase. So we have to grow everything meter, meter and a half. So that's a big challenge. Is that the um, one when you come in? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And then the, the salon where there's you know lots of little. You can put five stems in them, but uh, and the reception area. So no, the, I, I you know just lots of flowers. That'd be just fine. Yeah, but I find the beauty in the vegetables too. I mean, this is. You know, mm. those are just as good as any floral <coughs> decoration. I mean, they were a bit droopy when they were first put in, but they've, they're all taking up that water and they're looking like, you know, just gorgeous, I think. Jane said to me earlier, someone, she'd met someone who didn't know you could get seeds from carrots. And I was like, how do you get seeds from carrots? And she said, from the flowers. And I was like, I've never seen a carrot well, flower. So apparently, you did, if you pull them up <coughs> when they're ready to eat, you, you never see the, the no. flowers. That, that well, you would, you know, you sow the seed in March, and the following March, and April, they'll produce the stem will go up and produce those beautiful. They are. They're what like do they look like? They look like cow parsley. Um, yeah. But very very tight, and they're gorgeous. And now you have all those, you know, really crazy cosmic carrots, the red ones. You can get the the flowers are sort of a beautiful, uh, yeah, dark red. They're gorgeous. <coughs> There's like a question pasta. actually with the co all the different carrots. There is, seem to be fashions for foods in the way that there mm. are fashions with everything. Mm -hmm. Do you do you sort of um, do you pander to the fashions or? Yeah, do you, I like the fashions. You like the fashions. So long as they taste good, no, yeah. no point in having it if it's not delicious. Um, but yeah, beautiful colours. I mean, you know, you get into these things where when they hit the hot water, they don't look quite as great. You know, um, don't they like the purple purple beans and stuff? They just go. Mm. There is a very beautiful green, but they make the French beans look a bit. You know, the regular French beans, green French beans, look a bit insipid. So, yeah. But then don't purple vegetables taste very good though in general, don't they? Yeah. If something looks good, Sky, does it inevitably taste good? Is it is it that simple? Usually. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, purple's an interesting one. It just never keeps its colour when no. it's cooked. It goes blue. It goes blue and then mm. slightly grey, yeah. Oh. Mm. But then you can serve it raw, or...? No. Yeah. Yeah. There's purple salad leaves. Yeah. Which are, always have to be 50% of the pick for the spring. <laughs> and the... I, mean, I think intensely coloured vegetables generally taste very good. Mm. And fruit, yeah. 
Yes, there are. Blanch vegetables have. What's that is? I think cool rabbi is yeah. a, a showstopper colour wise, but it's a wonderful vegetable. Yeah. 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 That's Purple, yeah. but actually, when you peel them, they're the same. Right. You put them on the plate, they're right. the same colour as a green one. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Mm. Mm. I mean, Borlotti are the most amazing, aren't they? Yeah. They're the most beautiful of anything, and you cook mm. them, and they always become this sort of dull, mousy brown. Mm. Mm. But then they taste incredible. Yeah, they make up for it. It's fine. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing. Anyone else? I did see a hand up earlier. There it is. Yeah. I was just going to ask about. I spend weeks in January. It takes me about, it does take me about five weeks to water all the seed, trawling through, uh, yeah, internet really, mainly. Um, yes, back to this, yeah. Uh, I try to get biodynamic seed, but there's very, very little of it, and the, um, it tends to be, in this country, it tends to be carrots and cabbage, which isn't very exciting. They're very good carrots and cabbage. But um, we need a little bit more than that. So the best, uh, there's one uh, very, very good company called Tamor Organics there in uh, Devon. Cornwall. Cornwall, Cornwall. yes. Uh, they have a really nice range. Launceston, that's right. And, um, but I go a lot to the States uh, for the sort of so-called gourmet stuff. Um, they do it very, very well. Uh, wonderful businesses, cooperatives, and they seem to do it a lot better. Than, they can work cooperatively better than we can, I think. Uh, they have a lot more land, and the land is cheaper, and they have a, uh, a better climate, a longer season to produce seeds. You need a long season to produce good seeds. So we buy an awful lot from America. So the internet has increased our isolation, but also our sense of I community. I think it's a great thing, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have connections with other biodynamic I growers? Um, WhatsApp groups. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, um, well, there was, there's a couple of growers that I really admire, um, and I follow them on Instagram. That's the thing. But then, uh, you know, that's that's you know really open stuff up into the flower farmers and and the interesting florists and what they're growing and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, there's, there's some very good growers in, in the States. There's some very good growers in Australia. Um, Do you get a chance to visit them ever? No, no, no. I'm always having to look after my own, really. I mean, what's and the one longest day it'll be very nice to. What's the longest you can leave for comfortably? Um, uh, I, I, I could leave if I wanted to, <laughs> with, but I don't really. I'm very happy there. So. But I, a week, I guess, I could probably do. So when you come here, you're sort of itching to get back there or not? You can stay present? No, I have good help. I have very good help. So, um, no, it's, it's fine. Okay. In the summer, it Commitment was difficult. Commitment is second to none. Oh, thank you. Second really? Second to yes. none. This isn't a job that stops mm. at five o'clock all day long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and is that not always the case with, I mean, I'm, I'm, I well, know you're self employed, it's got to be in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, there's not just a... I have but she to is sometimes. renowned for Sometimes it. I she have is to. famed for it. Famed. Really? Yeah.
<laughs> and that's you know part big part of your success. I would have thought. I mean, you 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 really <laughs> take it seriously and are totally committed. Yeah, I can ask Tom that because Jane clearly wouldn't say it about herself. What is it that makes what Jane's doing so brilliant? I think it's the commitment. Yeah. It's a total and utter, uh, you know, belief in her own ability and that the, you know, and all those years of driving up to London, you know, to Borough Market. I mean, who in their right minds would do that? Hmm. And this is not a well-paid job. On no. any level, no matter how many cabbages you're growing, you know, it's not a well-paid job. So it takes great commitment and belief in, in what you're producing mm -hmm. as, as really top quality, you know, best stuff. Mm. So I think... Um, I need it to be right. Uh, it needs to be good, and I'm happy to, to do that. Um, I, I, I'd rather have nothing than it, for it to be mediocre. Mm. So I, I work hard at doing that. And I, and I love it. I'm not sacrificing myself entirely. A little bit. Sometimes I feel that I do. And I've had moments where I feel that I, this is just too much. Mm. But um, it lasts about a day and then I'm off again. It's fine. Were your children young when you started? Um, yep, I took them from London to there. And they didn't like it an awful lot Did when they, they became no, they early teenagers. And went back to London as soon as I could. Did yeah. they come back again? Not often, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's mud. They don't work. want mud. And, no. it's, and no. the house isn't warm like they have houses warm. But um, they are proud. I know they're proud. Of course uh, they and are. So, uh, and they get veg boxes, so they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got any questions? Mm. Yes. Find, is there a spiritual element to what you do? Yes, yes. Um, I find that mostly in the, in the moments when it's just me, I find that uh, very strongly. Um, when I'm running a team and being organised and writing lists and stuff, less so, or pressures of yeah, everyday life, paying bills and things. But I think I, uh, with the, the drought of this year, I think going out with my dogs, you know, half past four in the morning and dragging the hoses around and watering every plant was very spiritual. And I, I loved it. Um, I was tired by the end of it all, you know, eight weeks stretching, doing that. But uh, I think I connected... I connect at those hard times with the farm more than any other times. When it's hard, uh, we come together. And yeah, it's, a, it's definitely, I would say it's a spiritual thing. Mm. Oh, lovely. There was a question at the back. I'd like to say, I think, if we get the manure from Hereford like I'm planning to, um, I think it would be a significant difference in five years' time. But I think realistically, 10 to get it uh, really productive and you know, to bring the life back to it. It was very interesting the other day, we were meeting with uh, Craig Sams and talking about biochar. 
and it just happened to be that uh, they were laying the pipes for the irrigation system down there. And Care actually said, um, there was this great big gap of sort of half a metre down. She said, oh, so what does that tell you? So we could see the, the cross-section of the soil. And I said um, that, that, that there's nothing there. You know, there are no worms or, you know, very, very little activity, uh, insect activity or microbe activity. <coughs> and there was literally that much topsoil. And so, yeah, it, it shows that we've got to crack on and make compost. How much topsoil would you want? Oh, uh, at least nine inches. Right. Yeah. Gosh, you're a long way off. Yeah, we are a long way off. We can do it and we, you know, we've got a lot of material um, we don't want to sort of put in a thousand tons of manure on. We, you can't, it's like the cake layering again, cake making. <coughs> we have to do it. <coughs> we have to be patient and we can't rush it and we have to be respectful. You know, you don't want to eat too much at once um, and build it up with lovely layers. But we have a lot of material. Um, and is use. it responding? Does the soil here like what's happening to it? Uh, it's difficult to tell yet. I mean, yeah. it's had a terrible, terrible first year. I yeah. mean, very, very difficult. But I'd say it does. And I, um, for me, again, it's back to this intention again. It's, um, it's, it's good because everybody there cared about it enough. And, you know, I know that April... Um, you know, they, they had trouble with uh, the, the watering and, you know, everybody would come in and all the hoses were on and so there was very, very little down, you know, at the bottom uh, on the farm. And, and April, you know, she's very smart. She said, OK, well, I'm going in at six o'clock. I'm going to water my cabbages. You know, and that was, you know, it's a wonderful thing that people were doing that. And that's why it does look good mm. uh, because of, of the work that they put in mm. and the commitment and, uh, you know, uh, it's been hard because they again the weather and there's been, it's been a building site and uh, you know people have come and people have gone and so it's been you know a big challenge but they're still there and they and everyone says it's going to be brilliant and it yeah, is already brilliant. Here's the it, evidence. It's going to be looking pretty good, very very it? brilliant. Oh how mm. exciting! Well, mm. unless there are any more questions, I think that's a perfect ending. Mm. You're amazing. I'm going to go immediately and Weep. look after my soil. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thank you okay. all. Thank okay. you both. Thank you. That was an episode of the Assembly at Heckfield Place podcast. You can find out more about the Assembly by visiting the Heckfield Place website and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Heckfield underscore place and the hashtag Heckfield Place. Thanks for listening.